let's acknowledge the good friends of the Law Party Podcast, the Majestic Restaurant and Pinner Gas Club, 931 Broadway in Kansas City, Missouri, the J. Rieger Kansas City Distillery, oh so good. Now onto our regularly scheduled program. It's not getting in, getting in. Welcome everybody out there. The Good Times with Good People Company proudly presents the Law Party Podcast, where it is always about good times, good people, and good talk. Please subscribe to the Law Party Podcast on YouTube, Facebook, or SoundCloud, and be sure to tell a friend. You've received your invitation, and welcome to the party. Uh, I'm your host and panel moderator, Rio, and let's introduce today's panel. We have got Dave... Elliot, a.k.a. Big Dave. He's the owner of C&P Construction. We've got Brian Massey. He is, a uh, for a short time, a data analyst for DST Systems. And, of course, the anonymous female. The right hand of the podcast that does not want you to know her name. So, we've got a lot of topics uh, to cover to today. There's been a lot going on in the news so let's jump right in with, uh, with the party line and, of course, today's party files. So let's start right off with Cam Payne, 2016. Uh, P-A-I-M, capitalized. <laughs> capitalized, exactly. Absolutely. Uh, so first, uh, Trump. Uh, uh, he gets new leadership for his campaign. Uh, and so uh, Paul Manafort, who was running this campaign, is out, uh, and Stephen Bannon and uh, Kellyanne Conway are in. Uh, what I find really uh, odd about that is uh, uh, Bannon and Conway were both really uh, kind of outspoken uh, in all of the kind of TV pundit circles against uh, a lot of Trump's behavior. Um, and but they wound up running his campaign, so I thought that was really odd because I remember seeing uh, both of them, uh, you know, having having things to say. So, uh, did anybody did anybody else see it, it, see any of that? I did, I did, and I look at it this way: <clears throat> couple couple things that I want to make a point on. Kellyanne Conway becomes the first woman. Campaign manager. I did not know that. Okay. First right. woman campaign manager ever in a presidential election, and she deserves some credit for that. Mm-hmm. You know, and Trump deserves some credit for letting her be in that position. Yeah, absolutely. She did criticize him, and isn't she the perfect person really to say, "Look, dude, you get on message here, or this is just going down the tank, and we just might as well throw it out in now." Which yeah, he, which I, he I thought turned, it was smart. turned around and done. I thought so, it was smart. Of I him. think she's smart. She was a pollster. I mean, she has a lot of bright ideas. I think she has the personality to do with it, and I think she has definitely earned her way into this position. Yeah, she definitely seems like she has a, a a way more even temperament to for talk for the pundit talking than uh, Manafort. Yeah, than Manafort. Ma- did. Manafort. I don't know. He looked. He looked to me like some slick Vegas dude. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he, he just didn't get a good feel for him yeah, as far yeah. as Trump campaigns go. Yeah. It. it it's. It, he came across as 
like maybe one of Trump's like like for real buddies, like on his yeah, like yeah, homies yeah. he golfs or drinks with. Yeah, I, and, I, I, uh, that would be a good way. To and I didn't I didn't think he was because he was just you know. Like, I felt like he was doing what Trump wanted him to do. Yeah, not like, like what, trying to get him like what he needed out. to do. Right. Uh, okay. Well, this is how you're going to be. So I'm just going to go out and, and just defend that. Yeah, you but know? it was you know it's. It's kind of at a certain point you're like you know how are you defending the indefensible you know because like I was watching like a couple of weeks ago all of the surrogates going out uh, for the Trump campaign and he would say something really off the wall and they were like yeah but what he really meant was they, they were trying to square they yeah. were trying to square yeah, yeah. but it's if, just if Hillary said the same thing her surrogates would probably well, well absolutely square absolutely yeah, that's what they but did. it was just like you know it, I don't care if it's you know what side of the fence you're on it's just like at a certain point like trying to defend the indefensible is like come on like it's like, like beating your head against yeah, the bloody wall yeah you know? so so as far as his choice with uh, uh especially uh Kellyanne uh, Conway I thought that was a good choice because she was already like hey he needs to calm it down and stop talking crazy and so bringing her into the campaign, um, it probably was a good move for him. But honestly, I feel like she's as insincere as he is, because you hear all of this just 180 from her. Like we were watching a uh, George Stephanopoulos on Sunday, and she was talking about, oh, oh, but you know what he really meant was, da 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 da, -da and it's like. Now that he's hired you, you're going to be for him instead of sticking to what you believe. Yeah, well, I th yeah, I, I definitely just agree like, with that. Just cause... like when he was, when she was, you know, when he made the comment about, you know, African Americans living in poverty and, you know, oh, we'll not having that. jobs and <laughs> blah, blah, blah. And she goes, well, I'm a white person and I felt very moved by that. And I'm just like, okay, what is exactly, I don't know what point you were trying to make. When he, yeah. you need to let an African American uh, talk to that, not you, white lady. <laughs> you know, which, which actually, we'll which, which actually, well, it pivots to, to the next. You want to pivot to it? Well, it pivots to the next point in in the in in the Trump section right, of, right. Uh, of things, and uh, so you know, I heard what he said. I, you know, and uh, to a to a group of white people. Yes. So he, had, he was addressing a not even the demographic he was yeah, talking so, about. So so one, um, Trump tends to sound disingenuous to me in general. Like just uh, not even. I mean, even when he's talking like kind of reckless, talking where he sounded reckless and. People are like, oh, he's just saying, you know, what he really feels. And but it, even that doesn't sound like he really means it. And and maybe even in a good way. Like maybe he really doesn't mean this. He just thinks that I feel like there's a chunk of his base that wants to hear it. And and give me one second, Brian. And and when it comes to you know talking to African American talking to the African-American voting block, um, having, um, having Trump not sound 
very genuine in in a in a room full of people who are who don't look like the people you're actually trying to talk to. Uh, it it comes across even more disingenuous, which is the reason I think he got so much backlash from. Him. Brian, I I agree, and I think he sort of set himself up to have that. I mean, that's why that's why a lot of people view him now because I feel like a lot of the times that he spoke before, he just likes to be. He's going to say whatever gets him attention. You know, he's kind of like the the honorary kid at Thanksgiving that's acting <laughs> out. Just because he knows the whole family's going to turn and like look and pay attention, and uh, so you start you start getting that feeling for everything he says is just for maybe attention or to just kind of stir things up, and it's hard. To, I mean, he's built his his personal capital that way, and it's hard to start changing that when it's time to get serious. And it, it was it's hard to well, take him seriously when. Maybe he is being very serious, but... And you know, now, like yeah. this week, and I know it's only Monday, but really, like, they started yesterday and heavy this morning, all the attack ads between both sides. But, you know, even this morning on the news, they were talking about how now he's, he's considering changing his stance on uh, immigration. And I'm like, so you're going to bitch and moan about the other candidates that flip-flopped but now you're going to do that when that's been your whole campaign's you know platform is getting immigrants out of illegal immigrants out of the country and all of that yeah. and now you're going to say oh no no it's okay yeah so what are you running on at this point yeah you're softer on Trump than the rest of us. <laughs> so what are you? What well, are your you know, thoughts? I, I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm obviously somewhat mixed up on him. But what, what are I, what are your thoughts though? But here's here's one thing that that uh, a lot of people that I talk to anymore have been talking about this. And what Trump is trying to do is reach out to a Democratic voter, either. Even though he said the black population, this is black and white poor that have been victimized by the great society. And 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 which is why I started by saying he may very well have been sincere. Then he shouldn't but, have specifically said African American. But listen, listen. This 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 is something that a lot of my peers and contemporary and I've been talking about a lot recently. Mm -hmm. Before the great society especially even in, in the poor whites, but the poor blacks, the, the single mother rate was 7%. Now it's over 70%. So we're saying, why do you keep voting for the same people that keep you down? Because they want a voting block. And we all know the horrible quote that Lyndon Baines Johnson did, this will keep the N-words voting force for 200 years. Yeah. These were things Lyndon Bain Johnson was no friend. No. Of the black no, he Not at all. He, he was a big he, ball he, of racist taste. He, he took the opportunity when uh, when he felt like he had to take it, but he did not feel uh, true in his heart sympathy for for any anybody else for that matter. So a lot of my more conservative friends are saying to ourselves we are very upset 
and seeing what's going on in the poor communities. We think that we have some different ideas to start to change the world the other way. And the frustration on our part, now I don't know if Trump thinks this, but the frustration is, is that every time we come up with, we almost get shouted down. Instead of just listening to us and saying, wait a second, we do care, we do have ideas, and, mm -hmm. I, and it's, there, we, we, we can reverse this trend. It's going to take a long time. It took us a long time to get to here. It's going to take us a long time to get to there, but we have ideas. Yeah. And it doesn't go with, I want you to vote for me, so I'm going to keep you at a certain stage because you'll have to have me. Yeah. And that's what we see the Democrat and the great society has become. So now, I will give Trump this because he's set a point that we've all kind of been afraid to say for fear of being looked at as racist. But it's not a racist situation. It's a, we've got some different ideas to try to get this turned around in another direction because it's not going in a good direction now. Yeah. So I really think that's where he's at. That's, that's my view on it. Um, there's a lot of talk in a lot of areas on this view that give us a shot. We got we might have some better ideas. You we know, want to raise you up. You know what's interesting to me is uh, personally meeting uh, meeting as many Republicans as I have in the last decade. Um, everybody that I've met. Personally, and I know personally, I really like personally. So I find myself having to square the person I know with the party affiliation. Because here's where I see the Republicans' problem with really any, really any every demographic other than kind of white men yes. is it's not that there aren't good ideas it's when I think there, there have been there have been the incorrect uh surrogates for the better for lack of a better term uh, you, you know trying to give the ideas so you, you get a guy who you know you can't remember the last time he's been broke trying to say I've got ideas how for you not to be broke it just it sounds disingenuous it may not be but it certainly sounds that way. And that's really the problem. Picking the right messenger for the message is just as important as the message. Right. And I don't think the Republicans have been good. We've been horrible at it. Picking the messenger. We've been horrible at it. Yeah. And then, you know, we also, we're such a fractured party in so many ways. You know, you look back at the Mitt Romney election, who I think would have probably been a pretty good president. The evangelicals didn't vote for him because he was Mormon. And I'm kind of like, really? Yeah, and that really was the only reason they didn't the vote. The only reason they didn't vote for him. And to me, this is stunning. This is absolutely stunning. And Trump's going to have a certain amount of people just, I don't know, don't vote for him. 
Because he's Trump. Yeah, he he is. Whether he's appealing to you or not, he is not evangelical Christian. Right. You know, he can say he is. No, but we but we all know he's he not. Say, but he doesn't say he is. No, no. But I think he, he I guess what I'm saying is he, he can say he believes in it all. Right. He claims but, he has some faith, and that's yeah. And he probably does. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I would like to think he does. Yeah. But I don't know, man. True enough. I can't make that judgment. True enough. God can. True enough. <laughs> so, uh, I think we, we have spent spent some time on on Trump, and uh, maybe we should devote a few minutes to Hillary. So I saw today that she is not going to have to uh, give a deposition uh, on the email lawsuit thing. Um, she is going to have to... Um, they're going to send like a list of questions that she's going to have to fill out. And it's supposed to be coming from, I want to say, some committee, right? Yeah, yeah. It's supposed to be a more independent committee that is that is supposed to be a kind of a watchdog thing where she's going to have to fill out this this, well, the, this questionnaire, but she won't have to actually sit for a deposition. Yeah, so even... Judicial Watch is the one that's sued. Yes, Judicial So I was going to say, so even though they decided not to, oh, because somebody sued her. Right, right. How yeah. can you sue somebody over, I don't understand that. She, didn't re she hasn't turned over everything. Is that, a, is that a closed book test? Closed book test? <laughs> you know, awesome. that's the issue. She's still hiding stuff, and she has reason to hide her stuff, and everybody knows it. Yeah, you know, it's... I don't care who you are, whether you're going to vote for it or not, you can't deny it. It's kind of amazing to me. I just feel like, at some point, you've got to quit going after this woman. Like, she's had the Benghazi thing. Nine different times they tried to bring her up on charges. I think that's ridiculous. She's Teflon Hillary, I'll say that. Before. I just think it's ridiculous that you can keep going after somebody, and I don't care who you are. I think when it becomes, when it comes to that point, it's a witch hunt. But she lied to the families blatantly. She also lied about the video, and these are just facts. They, are you they, talking about Benghazi? Yes. She lied okay, to but the, even she even lied when to she the went up, that's but, a, that is a sin. But even when she testified in front of Congress, they still couldn't find enough I to agree, do anything about it. I agree, but she still lied to those families. I, I just don't think we'll ever know the full story. I got a pretty good idea of what it is. Well, I can make <laughs> speculation, but speculation. I'm not there. I don't see it but, all. But this is, this is part of our government right now, anonymous female, because <laughs> they have their ability to spit to spin on anything. This is where we're at right now. That's why they've become... The machine. Right. They are the elite. Well, they haven't become the machine. They've they always are, been the yeah, machine. But they're, they just they become are even better more, at it. They're even better at it. Yeah. yeah. And so now, you know, nothing applies to them. The laws don't apply to them. But it's if, not if we did half the stuff her. we did, every single one of us would be in jail. I don't disagree with that. But it's not just her. Oh, no. Oh, no. But they it's, love to go after that, that's her. Why, that's why our Congress has like a 7% uh, approval rating. Let's get real about these things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, we are I guess dealing that's with kind of my machine. point. Like, well, we're I, going after the people. Like, you need to go after Congress, not after the person that's running for president. Oh, you because, definitely need to go after them too. If but, well, but just because she's she's nominated, she's a nominee for president, makes her an easy target for a third of the people that 
want someone else as president. I mean, it's, but this has been going on since before she even said she was going to run. Yeah, they've been investigating the Clintons in one way or another they've since been, Bill was in office. Since before, since before that. Bill was with, with good reason. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, I'm not saying that there aren't reasons. I guess the one thing I have found about the Clintons, to to your point, is that uh, for whatever reason, they are Teflon. They are Teflon. So I don't, I don't know maybe how, why, what, where. Yeah, and, and I guess and. Which, uh, which also, to your point, is at a certain point, do you just go, you know what, fuck it. <laughs> because I, cause you can't make anything but stick. But like, you know? what makes the Republican Party hate her? I mean, it, it is a hate at this point that you can tell it is pure venom Well, you know what? after her with. But, it's but, not even necessarily like, we'll figure out what the fuck we're going to say to you. But we're going to bring you up on these charges. I th what I think is interesting is her disapproval rating, like, period. Like, across the board, it's 60%. Like, we've never... And, and Trump's is lower than that. So let me let me just, you know, for, for full disclosure. But I, we never had two candidates that I can remember that nobody liked. <laughs> like, that's just... Absolutely, we have that. We absolutely have that. I'm just like that is that is just the strangest predicament. But you know what? Okay, so we go back to every time we really talk about something super serious, we always say, you know, it, it cries the loudest before it dies. Maybe this is the you know beginning of a pivot in the way our government works. You know? I hope so. To tell you the truth, I hope so too. I think that I think that there's enough people out there. I think. Trump and, and some of the Republican candidates, and definitely Bernie, have lit a fire under people. Yeah. About, we're tired of this. We've been tired of it. Take notice, we damn near whooped your ass. Which is fine. And, and, yeah. and, and in the Republican sense, good or bad, whether good or bad or not. But we, 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 they did go for an outsider now. You know, is that, I think some of the Trump people are kind of narrow minded, but at the same time, I think the majority of the newer Republican Party, I'll call it, is, it does not like the machine. They're that's tired a, of the machine. That's a very nice way to put it. But it's not, <laughs> the newer it's Republican not, Party. You've got, you can't just make your voice heard for a presidential election. You've got to do something about Congress, about the way the judges are. I think it's ridiculous, and we've had. I think you might have missed the whole... The, the meetings we had, or the podcasts that we had when we talked about, I think it's ridiculous that judges have a life term. Oh, yeah. Well, I think it's crazy that it's so hard, even if you vote, it's very hard to pull a, a congressman out of their seat. Well, I think it's ridiculous how polarized our Supreme Court judges are. That you, whoever fits you in, you are sold to their soul on the fact that you know, you better vote the way I, I told you because I'm the one to put you in. So now... Yeah, but once they're in, they don't have any control over that. I know, but, you know, I but, mean, you, know you, look, you look at, you know, you look at, uh, you know, Thomas and Alito and all these guys, and they were definitely, Roberts was actually a little bit more of a moderate than we thought. And then you got Kagan and, and uh, Sotomayor, yeah. who are very, very liberal in their views. And then, then you got 
good old Justice Ginsburg. Yeah. Holy and we're forgetting moly. who? I don't know if they're propping her up or not yet. <laughs> she, what is, you she is pretty old. Yeah. I just think it's kind of ironic that the whole system in place was to keep any one area of having too much power to make right. things happen is the same system that's making it difficult to stop. I mean, you almost want to call it corruption, right? The machine, the corruption of the machine itself. Yeah. But that's because Congress, over the years, have voted their rights into power. But that's still my point. I mean, that's... Yeah, right? I, I totally get what you're saying. Yeah, like, yeah. Have six we don't have board. to vote on anything that they do. They vote for their own. They yeah. vote for their health care. They vote for their salary increases. They vote for all of it themselves. But they won't well, vote of course. for if, if you're going to ask me, should I make $100,000 a year? Absolutely, I should make $100,000 a year. Wait, wait, wait. $174,000. Hey, as an entry-level congressman. Yes. I'm, I wasn't even talking about their pension, salary. Pension I'm just saying, life. if you ask me if, I, if I'm going to vote for something that's going to make my life better, hell yeah, I'm going to vote for it. Yeah, I don't think any branch should be able to vote for their own stuff like no this. i think if we have if we have to vote for everything else we citizens should have to vote for that shit too yeah period I, no, yeah i agree well we don't right. i can't get elected that's the problem <laughs> we're not gonna go down <laughs> but then i mean i don't know i i i get that but then what if the citizens you know pulled one of these uk things and said you know what let's make it twenty thousand let's let's see them let's see them do it on minimum wage the moment you do that, no one's going to want to become a congressman, right? You're actually you, going to get people in there that no. want to do it because you think about people uh, that, I, but you think about people that are uh, that work at like um, not social security, but um, oh, social services. Yeah, like they don't do it for the money; they do it because they believe in what they're doing. Yeah, because yeah. they don't make no damn money. Because no, I, I know. I mean, but, we, I mean, we're talking about qualify. I mean. We what can't, we what can't qualifies like, them? You can't act like this is an easy job. I mean, you Look, have to. No, you can't no. say qualified people because I could run for Congress and be elected. And I can tell you right now, I don't know enough about the intricacies of our laws to be sitting as a congressman. But any one of us could actually that could happen. Yeah, I mean, the way our constitution is set up, we definitely. Definitely could. And there are people in there to do that are in that position. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they yeah, they were not lawyers, they got elected, and it's kind of like, yeah, like, oh boy, uh, what yeah, do I do now? Yeah, what do I do now, man? But they also have to travel back and forth. They have to field all their constituents' calls. Yeah. I mean, there's a certain amount of heavy work that this would be is, a congressman or a senator. I wish Mark was here so he could tell us. I mean, oh, we, had yeah, a, yeah. we had a very disheartening conversation with Mark Church. Yeah, Mark, you know, Mark, Mark he, would have an interesting view on that. Well, you know, he yeah. um, he, works he for was him. an intern for a congressman. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so and it, it was really just eye opening. Yeah, very sad to, to hear what actually happened. Well, I'm not disillusioned I mean, that, even, that way at all. Even more so than you really think. Yeah, yeah, like you think it's going to be disillusioning, and then you hear, then you hear it, and you're like, really? No. <laughs> I'm not disillusioned by that at all. I know exactly what's going on up there. Yeah. That's that's why I rail against the machine. All right. Yeah. All right. We need to pivot to our next topic because uh, we didn't. We ran out of time last podcast, and I really wanted to touch on. Um, and I'm sure you've got some things to say. 
Big Dave, about um, the devastating flooding in Louisiana. Yeah, I, I, I find this very troubling. Yeah, to say the least, 60,000 homes across 20 parishes. Yeah, and I know the territory well. Yeah, 13 people uh, yeah. dead. Yeah, this is. Uh, Do you know people that still live down there? No. This is this is this is. I know PLO a lot of people live down. I don't have any relatives live down there no more. This, but this it, is so much broad. Uh, the real estate is so much broader than Katrina. Much broader. Yeah. Than this Katrina. is uh, this is really. But this is this is in Louisiana, and this is a a different dynamic than Katrina. It is. It because is because it is rural. Yes. Okay. The rural people in Louisiana are self-sufficient people. Okay. Much more than you'd ever dream they are. They're very religious people. They are very much into a, what we call the fado do, mm -hmm. which is going to a Saturday night. You go to a fado do. That's a dance. So we're going to mm -hmm. dance. We're going to drink. We're going to mm -hmm. eat. We're going to have fun. All right. We're in the city in Katrina. Everybody's dependent there. Right. Right. And they can't get out of their own damn way. You don't have that in the rural areas near as much. These people are looking at it, and I've heard the interviews and the talks, is that they're looking at it as, we're kind of all in this together. Yeah. We all, all of our houses are screwed up. Everything's screwed up. Let's, let's take this day at a time, and we'll get through this. So they talk about the, and, and, and I'm not by any means saying it's not important, but you talk about the flooding in Louisiana, and then the entire West Coast is wildfires. Yeah. I mean, from all the way up to Washington. In Idaho. Oh, they're burning into Idaho, even. Yeah. Well, they're all, it's the, all over the West fires Coast all and over. The over West right now. But and that's somewhat common, but it's a little exuberated. They said that the, that the three that are burning now are the worst that they've ever had. Yep. Ever. The fast and, and all this. Yeah. And it's just, that's just going to make it even worse for, you know, you don't have that natural landscape. So there is going to be more flooding and more, you know, issues down the road. Because how long does it take a forest to, to revive? Well, this is, I mean, it's these aren't forests. Decades. These aren't forests that are burning. And that's where you got to... They it, are. Some Southern of it Southern California, is. you got to understand what Southern California is. It's not, yeah, I know what Southern that, California that, that's is. That's scrub. Scrub is tender, just tender fire ready to happen. Ready to happen. Mm -hmm. Well, and they found out the one in California was... Um, one of them. The oh. first one that kind of started them all was um, from oh. bad electrical work. Yep. And they're, I mean, it just... And then the other two are, were arson. Yep. But it's just, I mean, they have fires in Colorado. I mean, it's but, just but ridiculous. It's different. What they got to look at in California is they, they really got to stop and say, where are we locating houses? You know, everybody wants this canyon view or side of a mountain view to where they can look out over everything. You go find out where most of these houses are, and I bet you that's where you find out where they are. 
Oh, I'm sure they are, but the same thing could be said for Louisiana. Why are you building below sea level? Why are you building? I mean, you know, it's it's just the nature of, you know, you run out of places to live. If people buy up in California, Bingo. they Bingo. buy up big they say acres that fine of land. Real estate. But yeah. that's, it's true, but you also run an inherent risk when you buy in that an area like yeah. that, that this can happen. This is not something that they didn't know would happen because they, they've had these fires before. Mm -hmm. Yeah, then, I mean, every year there's, every a, year. there's a fire season. Every year. And it's just, you know, it's kind of like we have tornadoes out here. Yeah, and, 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 and on top of, of course, fire season, they've, they've been in uh, a rain drought. Yeah, so, so it's, it's yeah, exorbitant. It's super difficult to put these fires out. And, you know, uh, our our prayers and everything goes out to everybody affected uh, in the wildfires in the west and the flooding in uh, in Louisiana you know I just you know, the, the, I th you know the thing I think that's interesting with flooding flooding in Louisiana it, you know it, it took the government forever to say something with Katrina, it took like a week, but it seems like it's been a couple of weeks, and they still haven't said anything. Hey, this, this this is the double standard. Yeah, and, and, yes, me, and media propagates. Yeah, media well, propagates that because Bush, after the sixth day, he actually flew over it. But Obama signed well, he the did say state of emergency within hours of it happening. Yeah, I guess what I'm, it didn't I, take days for them to. Yeah, I guess. I, you know, I guess, yes, he signed the state of emergency and he sent surrogates down there. But it seems like the type of situation that a president needs, like you say, a flyover, something. He, he needs to... He needs to leave Martha's Vineyard. Yeah, he needs to... Yeah, it, cause, it, because, of it, course, it, it happened during totally. his time on vacation. And so it, it comes across... Which I know, uh, we don't know or why I, he has. I mean, it, it, well, and, and that's what I'm saying. Like I know, ceremonial. That it's, but. I know it's ceremonial. I know he deserves a vacation. He look, he works harder than all of us. I know that, <laughs> but uh, you know, kind of a, a, a disaster happens. You know, you know. It seems like you may need to take a day or two out of your schedule go down there got big old plane put your foot on the ground <laughs> and then uh, <laughs> and, and, and then maybe go back to Martha's Vineyard but yeah, it just you know it, days that's, that. so that's that that's the only thing that's kind of been bothering me about it I mean I am a I, I personally am a fan of this president but um, I'm I didn't I didn't and I don't like the fact that he hasn't been down there yet so is it safe for him to be there though I mean, that, that, like, we don't know why. We don't know why it took Bush six days. We don't know why he has Bush been was there. on vacation, too. Yeah? I mean, when Katrina had... Oh, no, that was 9-11. <laughs> Never mind. Bush was on vacation, I, just I like just, Obama. But, you know, you don't know why they're not there. And we... Why do you... None of us need to know. No, I don't, you know? I don't, you know, I, mean, I don't presume to know why. I just... But there could be, I guess... I just, it's just the optics... It. It you is. Know, really? It is, but I think that you have to remember that he can't be everywhere all the time. And yes, he was on vacation, but there, 
they've said this is the worst flooding in that they, region ever. My point is, there a can they keep him safe if he goes down there? And unfortunately, if if Secret Service says no, they, yeah, and I mean it's not, not like he can say I'm going anyway. You know, you, they control. If they don't want him to go, he's not going to go. But you're throwing out a double standard. I don't. I'm would, not because they would I, hold Bush. If it was Bush down there, the media would crucify okay, him. That quite frankly, that I didn't so say anything. It's, it's the same. It's I'm the not same. holding a double standard because I never said anything but about the media Bush. Will. I get that, but I'm not the media. I'm just saying this is my opinion of it. Well, yeah. I don't. I didn't say anything about Bush not going to Katrina immediately because it's the same thing. What are you okay. thinking, young Mr. Massey? I I think I agree with with some of the things that both sides have said. Uh, the anonymous female in the sense that we don't know the whole story. There could be other things that we don't know that's going on. But I also agree with the fact that it's in just in general. I think Mario, mm -hmm. what you were saying is that it's disappointing that he hasn't come by. Like mm -hmm. th this this entire region is in need. Yeah. And it would be... And it's not like he hasn't signed the paperwork right. to get things in place. Just uplifted. But, yeah, yeah. From, uplifted in general. Lift saying, people up like, that I hey, care. This guy, yeah, yeah just, this guy cares. You want to say exactly. I care. Exactly. Well, I say, uh, uh, everybody out there in, uh, in, in podcast party land, uh, we have uh, got uh, one of our returning champions joining us uh, a little late, but uh, better late than never. Uh, Chris O'Connor is joining uh, our panel, and uh, you know, we are actually about to wrap up talking about the natural disaster in Louisiana, and we touched on uh, the wildfires uh, going on in the West Coast. Um, before we go to the next topic... Uh, you, have want, any, you have any thoughts on that? I want to honor Mr. O'Connor, though. I'm having a Pendergast tonight for the first time <laughs> in honor of Mr. O'Connor. Like it? Excellent. Good, 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 good. Just, Thank just, you, just say. Nice. I did that in honor of you, and I'm glad I did. All right. So, any thoughts before we move to uh, our next topics? Uh, we were talking about Louisiana. Yeah, I'm, I'm a little frustrated by Louisiana, to be perfectly honest. Um, so sick of people living in the floodplain, knowing all the possibilities. <laughs> Literally, the water flows right down to you. And then expecting the government to come in and bail you out every time. And then bitching about the people who were, you know, down there trying to help them out and all that stuff. And who obviously have real jobs they have to do, too, and leaving and on. I was like, yeah, come on. Yeah, what was it, 2001 was Katrina, 2001 or three or whatever it was? Big deal. I mean, like, and I love Louisiana. New Orleans is one of my favorite cities in the world. Absolute beautiful place to go. You're in a floodplain. For God's sakes, you're below sea level. Yeah, yeah, yeah the entire matter. region is below sea level. Yeah. It is not the fault of the government for not coming in and bailing your ass out. Yeah, my, my point is this, though, because I lived down there a long time, too, is that... Because what difference between Katina happening in the city and this happening to the Cajuns in the rural lands? Mm -hmm. The Cajuns will survive because that's their nature. They'll help each other out and they'll pull this thing out. And they they really, there's a lot of them down there that give a damn less rather than government out or not. The problem <laughs> is they don't have flood insurance, most of them, because 
this got so high, it went in areas that never ever flooded before, they thought they were fine. Mm -hmm. We had a thousand year event. Yeah. That storm, yeah. you know, I watched it. I was in Florida mm -hmm. and I was watching it and it just sat there. It was a tropical storm that never was. Yeah. Just, it was a cut off low and, and it just, just didn't sat move, there. sat there. It formed right offshore and half on land, half offshore. They just sat there and spun. Yeah. And I, I told my wife, I said, hmm. Them people down there are going to have a hard go because this is bad. Yeah. I feel yeah. horrific for the people. What I what I really get bothered by <coughs> is the spirit that the government should come and bill your ass out for everything. People got on George Bush so bad after Katrina going, well, you waited too long to send him in. The way the federal government works is the governor actually has to request federal aid. The, govern the federal government cannot just go in and take it over and say, nope, nope FEMA's going in and deal with it. They never requested the aid. The yeah, mayor they failed, too. Yeah, I mean, the mayor they, failed they all failed. So for all the people who were like, and I love Kanye, but George Bush hates black people and he really screwed the whole thing up and yada yada, that's a bunch of bullshit. There's a system in place for a reason. This, this country is founded on local government that works its way up with limited federal authority. That's why it's in place. That's why the law is in place that FEMA can't just jump in even when they see a disaster. It doesn't work like that. That's, that's well said. You said it better. I was trying to come up with a good way to say it, but that's your spot on, Chris. All right. Like it's very Jeffersonian of us. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I, I, think, uh, I think we have touched on uh, Louisiana. And now let's get to the Olympics. Uh, and I am shaking my head some more. So let's get right off the top with line locking. So last podcast, we uh, we talked about the fact that uh, they got robbed at gunpoint, and uh, it seemed as if the story was true. And as the week rolled on, we found out that uh, Lochte just made this shit up. <laughs> I can recall asking totally. you did you did ask the question. <laughs> you did he, ask the question. He didn't totally make it up because somebody did pull a gun on him. But they didn't pull a gun on him because he was to get robbed. They pulled a gun on him because he had screwed up the bathroom. Exactly. In a drunken fit. <laughs> right, ripped the damn... The, maybe the door didn't open right. Dispenser off the wall. Yeah, right. and so, things like that. And so the security <laughs> guards come and said, uh-uh, you're going to give us some money. So, you know, he just turned around being drunk idiot he was. Now, I think the first thing has to be recognized. Ryan Lochte is no nuclear scientist. This, this guy... Not even close. This, this guy, you know, if he wasn't a damn good swimmer, he'd probably be a homeless on the street somewhere begging because he's just an idiot. Not a rocket scientist. No. Not a they rocket were, scientist. Uh, they were playing some... Uh, do you guys remember when he had his... Um, his reality his show. His reality show. Yeah. Oh, my God. We bad. didn't see it. We saw like snippets of it, Half like a season. Um, you know how they do the highlights, like the, sh the new new episode or whatever. But they were playing parts of it this morning on the news, and I was just like, "He is so stupid!" Like just <laughs> how many millions of dollars? Just so did he stupid. just piss away? I mean, you got to be Don Speedo dropping him. You know, you're you're in, you're in the business. Oh yeah. Well, you it's you know amazing. what? It, it just destroyed his old market. I was thinking about when um, 
I was thinking about when Phelps, you know, the whole smoking pot thing came out yeah. and how all of his sponsors dropped him. Worst of all time was Tiger Woods. I, I, I was I was comparing like apples to apples, I guess, partially. I mean, you know, <laughs> Phelps is a little bit smarter than yeah. locked in. Phelps is a lot he smokes smarter. Hot. <laughs> a lot smarter than locked Or did. <laughs> what does that say? You know, Phelps, Phelps, you know, here's the other thing to look at. For a man who's an athlete for a long time, um, these guys get fit the bubble. Yeah. And that's part of the problem, you know. The same thing with Phelps. He, they, they train so hard that they have no outside life. And so Phelps had a chance, hey, man, I'm hanging with these dudes, and we're partying, and, yeah, man, pass me a bump. I want, you know, yeah, I want to get a buzz on tonight with you guys. We're going to party. Yeah! Lopsy. Very different than Forgot Lopsy. to sell everybody. Put your effing cell phones oh, yeah. down. Put them all here in my pocket, and then we'll party. <laughs> you smoke all the pot you want, but I, and I, I agree with your point. But I'm also like, you know that your lifespan for earning is limited. So if you're Michael Phelps, you know that this, this is clearly his last Olympics, and he is age 32. So his earning potential is about to end. And to be that dumb, you know, and that careless, with all the money that you're making in your entire livelihood, is just, you, you got to think more. Yes, yes, they are kids, and yes, they do have to train really hard, and I get all that. They're also not just your normal kid. Can we and, say Dale Carter, Larry Johnson? we got the same problem with local football players. Right. They just, duh, Paul War no, it wasn't Paul Warfield. That was the Dolphin. Uh, Warfield was the cornerback. Oh, Eric Warfield? Well, it just goes back Game to... Couldn't get somebody to drive his ass around because he was drunk every day. Sure. Right? You, sure. Didn't yeah. have, you, you didn't grow up with it. You weren't used to it. Then all of a sudden, it, just like, I'm going to throw his name out there, and we talk about it all the time, just how the stupidity of Justin Bieber. You know, yeah. when you're when you're that young with, with that, that much money, money you're going, you're to, going to be dumb. You're, going you're just to going to, because you're dumb at that age anyway. Yes. You're now you have money and you're in the spotlight, and it just makes it worse. And for whatever reason, people put athletes and celebrities on a pedestal like they're not human beings. So I, I don't mind being on a pedestal. I think they're on different pedestals. I think athletes work their ass off every day. And are dedicated all the time. I think sometimes the Justin Bieber's and Britney Spears just get a little bit lucky. Yeah. And have it. They haven't. I wouldn't say this. They haven't earned it. Everybody earns it with what you get. But you know, they, they didn't necessarily. A little bit of right place at the right yeah. time. Yeah. She just happened to be a good-looking girl in Mickey Mouse Club. You well, know. That's your opinion over on mine. Yeah. But yeah, it just. But they're. Still, yet again, there is still a difference between, uh, you know, getting caught smoking some weed at a party, and and lying to the authorities and all of the news bureaus saying you got a and the Olympic committee. <laughs> yeah, that you got a gun Everyone. put to your head. I mean, but like, I don't see on here either the um, the uh, Olympic committee member that got caught scalping tickets or. Right, whatever. Oh, I, like, I, I actually did. I actually did forget to pull today. that story. But uh, yeah, it's this has been this has been, which is the reason why I just said the Olympics shaking my head some more because there's been so much there's been so much good 
But there's been so much fuckery with these Olympics that it's amazing to me. Well, you know, like like uh, like Hope Solo, who is not probably the kindest and fuzziest uh, <laughs> human being uh, to to ever play a sport. You know, she uh, obviously in a super sore loser move when they lost to Sweden. You know, she was calling their team cowards and all kind of tweeting all kind of crazy stuff and I was just like what is going I, on? They almost didn't even let her go. Yeah. I did, I did have the pleasure of meeting her and she is a horrendous human being. <laughs> oh. Horrendous. So you say the pleasure of meeting person. her? She is, she is really awful. Wow. Well let's hope her and Ryan Lockie don't marry because they'll have the world's worst kids. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. Just saying. Yeah so oh and um, something else I noticed uh, the Brazilians seem to boo a lot. What is up with that? Very passionate it, country. They were booing like, I mean, people were winning. You know, people people won medals, and you know, and during the medal ceremonies, and you know, they'd be playing the national anthems and they'd be booing. And I was like, what is going on with? The, I've never, I've just never seen this before. And maybe maybe it has happened, but I don't recall it. <laughs> Did anybody else happen to notice? You've South America. Mm-hmm. And I have too. Yeah, yeah but very the passionate. Olympic, but the Olympics, it's just a little no, bit no, no, different. No, 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 no. All right. Not, not, to the, not to the South Americans. The South Americans are, And this is South America's first Olympics. Right. And they're very, very passionate, hardcore, prideful people. And man, you—they can be very friendly to you, but at the same time, on the other hand, that they feel like they've been crossed or dissed upon or something else. And I think what the Brazilians were seeing there, especially when the American flag went up, is our old media dissed Rio. Boom! The whole way they did nothing but diss them. This is going to be terrible. Water's polluted. We're all going to die. Everybody's going to get Zika. And they just, you know, they just turned around and pounded them into the ground with this. So if if I'm a Brazilian, I'm pissed. I'm pissed. And, you know, you've been talking bad about my country. I'm pissed. No, no, no. You don't talk bad about my country. That's not a good Uh, idea. A bunch of machismo dudes who are just looking for some trouble anyway and feel disrespected. Yeah, Yeah, of course they're going to be That That's going to happen no matter what. Yeah. That's my opinion. I'm with you a thousand percent. That makes a lot of sense. That's a that's a great breakdown. Yeah, but I say uh, I also noticed uh, for whatever reason the uh, Paralympic Games that of course happened after uh, the Olympics, uh, their ticket sales uh, are way down. Um, they were hoping to sell two million tickets, and uh, they've only sold like three hundred thousand or so. And uh, so, yeah, so I'm wondering. Are we going to wind up seeing the Paralympic Games not happen as often? Do they happen in the same facilities? I think yes. they do. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think, I think what do. the deal is on that is that the Olympics are two weeks long. You got to spend a crap load of money mm-hmm. just to get down there to go go to all the events. Mm-hmm. And by the time the Olympics are over, the people have shot their what? There's nothing left for them to spend. Yeah, very true. And I would even take it a step further and say, listen, I mean, 
I respect them. I find them to be amazingly inspiring. But I also think you're dealing with a niche audience. You know, yeah. I mean, kind of, I love basketball. It's a little bit different watching wheelchair basketball. Like, I yeah. like basketball for the athleticism in the game, and I like wheelchair basketball because I really love that these people have the inner strength and fortitude to get out there and be inspiring and that kind of stuff. And that's that's just a different kind of a thing. Yeah. I would love to see them make a permanent facility for Paralympic Games that is inexpensive to get to. And, yeah. You know, yeah, 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 yeah. I agree. I agree, actually. There, there's, there's a point to doing that with the Olympics, period. Having I, 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 two I'm or three for venues that. and they rotate around to the two or three venues. Yeah. Yeah, if you've got, you know, four corners of the globe. You should do it on every continent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But why don't they do that? Because the Olympic Committee is just as corrupt as our government. Absolutely. They take bribes to get where they are. Yeah, we we kind of touched on that. Do not make a mistake that that's not the point. They they will bankrupt bankrupt that that area just to get their bribes. Yeah, we touched on that last podcast. It's... The, some of the things that the Olympic <laughs> some some of the things that the Olympic committees do to ensure the games uh, dependent upon the city is kind of ridiculous. Just I mean, you know, like with Rio, you know, like they they wound up outbidding the top bidder by several billion dollars in order to get the games in, in Rio, and but you know it obviously has. Has it's been good in a lot of ways, but in other ways, it's it's been really hard on you know the natives that live there. And I mean, you know, who says that you know they want to live in you know in the favelas forever? But you know, displacing you know eighty thousand people to build the stadiums is it seems a bit excessive to me. Yeah, but. I think you should have two facilities. I think one should be in Greece, and that should always be the summer games. And I kind of agree with that. To tell you the truth, the summer for the winter. Yeah, you find yeah you find a good spot for the winter games, and, 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 and everybody summer. go to Greece for the summer games. And I, I kind of agree. Yeah. And, and maybe we do a, a different location for Paralympics. And uh, absolutely, yeah, and uh, yeah, I kind of agree. I mean, honestly, America would be the best place in the world for the Paralympics. Paralympics. Yeah, I I agree with that. I agree with that. Uh, so. Uh, with that, we're going to uh, wrap up the Olympics, and um, I noticed, uh, and and almost decided, almost held this for another podcast, but it did happen this week, and we want to try to stay with uh, the weekend news. And uh, United Healthcare uh, is leaving a lot of the uh, healthcare exchanges in 2017. And that's going to be a big issue uh, because there's a lot of people covered so, so, under United so Healthcare. Is that now? Yeah, 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 yeah. I just heard. I just heard that today. Um, because uh, they're losing money. Yeah. Um, which was kind of the whole point of not having not of them not having the monopoly or yeah, whatever. They were all in favor of it. I mean, it forces everybody to go buy their product or pay a penalty. So, I mean, the amount of people who are now insured is flooded. It's just a lot of people who can't afford the insurance, to be honest. And, and I'll tell you, I find this to be, we talked about this last week, I find this to be Obama's fault in terms of being completely unwilling to work with Congress because there's a very simple compromise. 
and it was the plan that was currently in place, but let them sell interstate instead of just interstate, do just basic tort reform, so you're not getting the same test four and five times so you don't sue your doctor, which is what really drives up the cost of medicine. And then beyond that, if you're not going to buy insurance, make the penalty one that is actually steep. Yeah. And it's yeah, yeah. cheaper to pay the penalty than to get the insurance. To get the insurance, yeah. Those three basic things would have revitalized the entire plan, and I think most people could have lived with it. Because it still is private insurance, and you can still only sell within your state, and it's absolute nonsense. But I thought he uh, was four and tried to get the basically the federal wherever you could go across states Absolutely and not. Congress knocked it out. No, 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 no. It was never well, for interstate commerce. As, as a small business with 42 employees who continually every year has to try to get insurance for his employees that they can afford, which is just unbelievable. Most of my employees looked into the exchange. My foreman who make a pretty good amount of money. Mm-hmm. Their deductibles were off the chart. It was not attainable for them. Which the goal of the insurance, as I understand it, was to try to get those people to pay a bigger portion of it so that the lower people would have insurance and the sick people would have insurance. Well, yes and no, because my mom and dad are both retired and... Um, my, they live off of my dad's pension, which is nothing. And they still pay almost as much as I do a month. Mm-hmm. Well, Michelle and, and I pay $1,400 a month. Yeah. I mean, it's ridiculous. And, my, and their deductibles are outrageous. I'm 6000 out of pocket. Mm-hmm. And that's with my insurance plan through your man. And so, what, what's really frustrating, because they both... Uh, well, my dad just got on um, Medicare, yeah, but my mom. Medicare and Medicaid. But <coughs> my mom has two years before she can get on gotcha. it. So she goes through, you know, the portal, and every year she has to do all of it over again. Yes. And it's really frustrating because yes. every year they change her insurance. And, and even what, the company that she goes yes, to. Yes, and, and this is what's happened is that <coughs> we don't know from year to year where this is going. We don't know from year to year how we're going to turn around and provide insurance for our employees. It's it's a highly frustrating thing. But for, for my foreman and some of the younger people that tried to get on the change, all I saw is this wealth redistribution in that fact. And it really is for them. You know, it truly is. They want this to fail, in my opinion. They want a single-payer system. I think this thing has been rigged up to fail from the get-go. I can't see any other reason not to argue it otherwise. Because you can't take a whole bunch of sick people and then... Now, the insurance companies are guilty in this, that they signed on with this, saying, cool, man, we're going to get all these people to sign up. And they didn't think they'd have that many sick people signing up. When, of course, they're going to sign up. Well, they have to. And, and they have to, and so now you've got all these sick people involved with it that are running up huge, huge, huge bills. Of course they're going to lose money, and now they're all of a sudden they're freaking out. Well, we're losing money. Well, what did you think was going to happen? I, I have very little sympathy for them in that aspect. I have very little sympathy in general. I think they could have self-regulated at any point they wanted to, stop denying uh, claims that were right. 
yes. and stop doing horrifically well, and fr frivolous things. I think that's the have, problem. But you also have to understand that insurance companies are very bound legally by what they can do and what they can invest in. I also think there's a misnomer that losing money does not mean that you actually didn't turn a profit. It means you made less than you did last right. quarter. And when they're publicly traded companies, you know, they're, of course they're going to get the hell out of there. This is what but attracts stock uh, investors yeah. to them. So, before yeah. we before we pivot to the next topic, I, I want to ask uh, our younger, healthier member of the panel, <laughs> what do you think about the whole healthcare thing? Uh, I don't think healthcare should be tied to employers. I think that that puts people in a very tough situation. Um, just when, I mean, in all aspects of going to get a job or looking for a job, I mean, so I, I'm going to be changing uh, my job in two weeks. And the first thing I had to go look at was, well, how's my health insurance going to be affected? Now, I, I don't think I've been to the doctor in several years uh, other than just like a normal checkup to uh, meet my new doctor up in this area, but, you know, it's one of those things where I know if something happens, like that's the quickest way to fall into a debt that I can never get out of. Um, and so why should my job, why should the health insurance affect the way that I change how my job should be? And that, that, I don't know, I think that just from that aspect, the system is... Yeah. It's almost scary because you're stuck in a place that you can't get out of. Well, I would throw two other points. One, I know a lot of kids who can't afford insurance but can pick up the bar tab. They don't have any problem with that. They can certainly get the cable <laughs> TV and all the streaming crap and the new iPhone. They just can't get health insurance. Most of the time, it's a matter of what you want to spend your money on. Uh, and so that's always pissed me off really badly. But they, even beyond that... We pay for 100% of all of our employees' health insurance because I want to know that I have a healthy, happy staff that comes into work and I'm not losing productivity because some, somebody did something stupid and didn't have any insurance. We started it when we hired a kid to be an artist and his wife was pregnant. She was five months pregnant and never been to the doctor. Oh, wow. You know? And I, honestly, I felt some moral responsibility for that. Like, you need to get to the doctor. This is unacceptable. You know, and so that's what kind of started it. And that's it's why I offer insurance. I have a moral responsibility to take care of my employees. All right. It's also an advantage for us to attract the better people. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. That's an interesting perspective because, you know, I'm, I'm looking at it from this side. That's, but I think, you know, kind of to your point where, well, it's what's important to you. These guys should be paying for insurance. Uh, you, know, uh, you know, they should, like, they don't have any problem picking up. Go back to Social Security. When they implemented Social Security, you know why they take it out of your check and you don't write a check for it? Nobody wrote the check. When it first was implemented, you had to write a check to the government, and nobody did. And so all of a sudden, they made it the employer's responsibility to take it out to make sure they collected it. Nobody's going to pay for stuff that they don't want or feel like they need, even though it's super important to have. And we pay a third of the taxes. Yeah, they right. come out of our pockets. Yep. Yeah. Part of I, our own. I can't even imagine how much my company pays. Knowing what my my premiums are, I can't imagine what they pay every month. It's huge. It tells you. I know. I know, but I've, I've never it's bothered horrific. to because it's. But yeah. I didn't look that up until this week. Yeah. Until this past week. So I. I yeah. Well, they they make it very clear that they are providing. You know, it's it, it, even though our, I mean, I went, I've worked at this company for 16 years, and it wasn't until 
12 years in that we even had to pay for our insurance. Employees, it was paid for, and then the spouse and children you had to pay the premium on. And then they had to, you know, I mean, when you have a company of 10,000 people, something's got to give. And, you know, and they give you incentives to try to make it less for you and they'll pay more. Like, the wellness programs. Well, yes, but it's even on top of that. If you don't smoke, you get a, a discount. If you, you know, if you uh, Under enroll... Yeah, if you enroll in the wellness program and you meet three to two or three criteria, then you get your party, you know, $25 off of your premium every month. And I mean, it's there's things that they do to try to counteract. It's whether or not you want to be involved in getting, you know, it, it's an incentive for people to quit smoking. And it's up to you to decide if you want to quit or not to get that. You know, I mean, it, it's... On the employer side, we are facing... Somewhere between 15 and 23% annual increases in the cost of insurance, which is unsustainable, and you can't do it. And so we've had to continually to raise the, deduction, the, the deductible for our employees. But then, since so, so many of them are young, we put in matching things mm-hmm. you know, to go, okay, if you ever do get sick and need it, we'll split the deductible with you. Yeah. But at least it lowers our premiums. Right, right, right. You know, in the meantime. So at least you're able to do that. Well, I can't even do that. Yeah, and then the... And I'll pay $6,000 every month. Yeah, we pay forty five. Myself. And it's brutal. I mean, it's brutal. It's brutal. Well, and I, I think that, you know, it's sad because... And, and, I mean, it's just my opinion, but I think that that's why insurance companies are starting to pull out. They thought that they were going to get more money, but they didn't change the way they did things either. So you can't... You can't be involved in something and expect people to be okay with it, but you're not going to change the way. You don't have to charge. But you don't have to charge the amount that you charge. You don't have to, just like you said. You absolutely do if have you, to. No, they you don't. Have, you you don't have to have. On average, on Medicare and Medicaid, but for I'm every talk, dollar that a hospital bills. I'm talking about you don't have to charge $100 for a pill or. Do you know why they do it? It is literally because you average twenty eight cents return on the dollar of what you turn in to make My dad for the government spends eight hundred dollars a month out of pocket for the pills the, the medication that he I'm telling $800. you eight hundred dollars that's is not ridiculous $20 when you're collecting twenty eight cents of the money that you bill. So that's I just, you and I are never gonna agree up. on this. Point. And also they were forced yeah. to take everybody. That was part of the law. You have to take everybody, regardless of pre-existing conditions or not. Right. Uh, and so no, now they're paying a hell of a lot more. And so yeah, their costs have gone up exponentially. Their revenue didn't fall. But they're still making stuff. a profit. To your point earlier, so they may not have made as ha- um, as much as they made the year before, but they're still making a profit. Yeah, so I'm a fan of, of enforcing healthcare rules. What I do think is, and I will go back to Obama, the way they implemented it was horrible. If you really wanted to see major change, reform tort reform, because it's ridiculous uh, the amount of punitive damages that go into this system that literally do nothing but line lawyers' pockets. And I come from a family of lawyers, so I know that. That's, mm-hmm. They make a third of all the punitive damage judgments out there. That's ridiculous. That should go into state fund to do something good. Maybe right. pay back into the healthcare system. Right, That'd right, be right, nice. Right, right, I wouldn't right. mind seeing that. Yeah. And let them sell across the state line. Yeah. And all you your commercials are injury lawyers and all your billboards are injury lawyers. Well, what I, does I, that tell you? I agree Absolutely. with you on that. We talked about that 
last week or the week before. Yeah. I, I, yeah. yeah. Okay. Right. On, on a on a lighter note, uh, to to end uh, the party files section of uh, party line. Um, does anybody remember, and I'm sure you do, uh, Backstreet Boys and NSYNC? Mm-hmm. The uh, kids on the block before that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. was he? Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, the uh, architect of the modern boy band, Lou Pearlman, uh, dies at 62 in prison. Did they say what he died from? Um, I, you know what? I didn't read that deep into the article to find out what he died from, but I, I thought it was bad music. What was, <laughs> was he in prison for? Uh, well, em- em- embezzlement, I believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So lots of it. Yeah, Lou Lou Perman was uh, he was classic. He was, you know, you know when they, uh, you know, there's this rap song that says "Industry Rule Number Four Thousand and Eighty: Record Company People Are Shady." And Lou Pearlman is uh, the definition of, of shady. Yeah, His name so besides shady is addiction. Oh yeah, so it was. Uh, so Backstreet Boys, uh, NSYNC, and uh, and New Kids. Uh, and new kids. Um, he <laughs> so he found these guys, uh, got them, you know, oh. got them going. But he he would write himself. Not only was he uh, manager and agent, oh, so so right off the top, that's twenty five percent. He would also write himself in as a sixth member of the band. Yeah. So he was getting. He was take the publishing rights. Yeah, you're right. So he was getting. He was so yeah. So he was he was taking their publishing rights. He was taking uh, a sixth of their mechanical royalties and twenty five percent off the top as manager and agent. Uh, as unethical as it can get in the music business. This said it, he died of unspecified causes. Ah. But it says along with the Ponzi scheme uh, yeah, they, allegations. They had a full American Greed show. On, yeah. on Pearlman. Oh yeah. It says along with the Ponzi scheme allegations, Pearlman faced accusations of sexual misconduct against yeah. numerous young boy band members. First detailed in a 2007 Vanity Fair. I article. heard that too, but three hundred million dollar um, civil judgment. Judge, or well, it was it did, it cut it off. It said it, he it was his sentence was tied to three hundred million dollar whatever. Yeah, it's yeah I uh, I I. I Read it and uh, and I wasn't saddened, but I definitely it looked at it as uh, hopefully. Now the, it was sexual misconduct. It wasn't assault. It yeah. was showing, show, you know, pornograph, por- uh, porn, and being naked. Naked around them and yeah, yeah. I, d- I thought I thought that I hope it is. Yeah, oh yeah, it is. But it. I'm like, it could have been much worse. And yeah, I'm not excusing I, that by any means. That's what he was convicted for. I would I totally find it hard to believe that. I would totally <laughs> beat the shit like out of somebody if I found out they did that to my kids. Oof. If not, kill them. Yeah, I just <laughs> when I read it, I hoped that it was uh, the end of an era. You know the. The, you know, the being being in the music industry, the music industry is always going to have shady element to it. It just it is it is it is what it is. But that level of greed and uh, and shadiness, I hope that that era is coming to an end, especially since uh, 
the music industry itself has had to reinvent itself in so many ways. Uh, how it, uh, how it, how it markets, how it, uh, how it counts uh, sales. You know, like you know everything because you know mechanicals. Uh, mechanicals out there for anybody in podcast land that's actually your physical sales right. so you know everything's had to be rethought because of the way technology has changed the industry so let me ask you this I mean so I think he was accused of horrific individual crimes but would you say AEG as a corporation is any better than Lou Perlman was you know, with all these 360 deals where literally they control all the money. Well, they, I, I think they it, do all the accounting. No, so no, no. I think 360... I think 360s are... Now, I will say this. There are companies that do 360s and they really make a real attempt to do right by the artist because their philosophy is if the artist isn't making money, we're not making money, so we want to make sure that we're doing right by them and making sure that they're making money but as a general rule I I think her, uh, 360 deals are horrific I think they screw the artist big time yeah I mean, I mean because every, if you don't know out there in the world the record labels get all their money back first before they the artist ever sees a dime they now own all the masters they now own exactly. all the publishing rights. Yeah, and, and uh, for the first, the first time, per, really first crazy. person to own their own masters. Uh, uh, I know the Beatles did. R.M. Yeah, the Beatles. Do you, do you think it was um, Ray Charles, uh, the first music. person, the first artist to own their own masters? It actually may have been. No, it actually wasn't. I don't think what, so. One, I, I can't remember the first person, but one of the first actually was Ray Charles, because Sinatra didn't at the time Ray Charles got control of his master Sinatra didn't have control of his yet well that's that was just prior to starting reprise once yeah. you know once he had reprise yeah well, yeah he once he started reprise it. records yeah yeah you got it all but this he was in prison for for conspiracy money laundering and the Ponzi scheme more so than anything he had to do with the music yeah but well, that's what got him mind. Yeah, right. I exactly. mean, he robbed those kids blind. Yeah, it said in there he was sued by all but one act that he... Which was probably... Well, a ton of them. Which was probably O-Town. Because he was, he was living down in Orlando. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They said they got, they said they got him in Bali. Oof. That makes sense. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure, I mean, I'm sure he left the country immediately. Yeah, yeah. I, I would have tried to run to Bali if I was him. <laughs> No one here screwed. I'd be out of there. But obviously mm -hmm. they extradited him. You want to go somewhere you can't be extradited. Yeah, non-extradition <laughs> countries, man. Strange side note. I've been to the restaurant many times where El Chapo's kid was uh, taken hostage. <laughs> I've been there so many times. I'm like, really? That is hilarious. They picked him up there. That's nuts. <laughs> All right, so uh, we want to end this, this week's segment of Party Files and uh, get in a couple of quick party favors because we're actually running uh, a little over today because uh, there was just so much in the news. Uh, one thing in the party favors category is that it seemed like American women um, owned the 2016 Summer Games. They just, it, I mean, medal after medal, gold after gold, uh, team and individual 
seemed like the and and in and in events that you know women don't normally meddle. Uh, it, it was or don't American women don't normally meddle high. Um, it, it would seem like a pretty spectacular Olympics for the U.S. women's Olympic team. Uh, so then our next kind of party favor, um, which means more to me than probably the rest of the panel, um, there was uh, there was a there was a young man uh, shot by police in Chicago uh, named Laquan McDonald. Um, and uh, he was, uh, in full disclosure, like he, he had a knife, but he was walking down the middle of the street. He wasn't near any people. Um, and, uh, and they gunned him down. He was on the ground, and the officer kept unloading his, his gun on him. Um, and it looks like... Um, that was in Chicago, wasn't mm, it? Mm -hmm. It looks like uh, 10 of the officers... Um, Possibly uh, seven of the officers almost definitely um, are going to be fired. Um, which, you know, my big pet peeve with all of these instances is that um, nobody seems to ever lose their job behind this, this, uh, this malfeasance. But um, it looks like in this case, um, there's definitely going to be some retribution for some of the officers who not only uh, did the shooting, but uh, stood around and allowed it to just continue. So um, that it's, it's a sad subject, but the favor <coughs> in it is that, um, is that it looks like there may be some justice for, uh, for Laquan after all. Um, uh, and the, is that my last? Party favor? No, my second to last party favor is uh, it looks like the Justice Department is going to phase out the use of private prisons <coughs> in, uh, in in the American system, and um, I thought that was great because I, I I've never thought that the private prison system um, did any good um, for the, for our society. A lot of times. Uh, private prison system really winds up um, housing you know criminals that really don't need to be there for long stints sometimes not for any stint um, and uh, they wind up seeming to be debtors prisons a lot of times more than they do um, you know really you know housing real criminals and uh, and the fact that uh, that at least the federal government won't be using them anymore. I thought was was a party favor for this week. You know, I, I mean, we still have state and federal prisons, and and trust me, there's going to be plenty of people who are going to wind up, you know, behind bars in those systems. But you know, prisons for profit bother me because there's no incentive to let you out because you're getting paid the more bodies you house. So, um, before I move on, um, I see some concerned-looking faces. Anybody have something they want to say on that subject? It's, it's just a really tricky issue for me. I mean, I, I don't think the federal government does anything well. <coughs> I'm not saying that the for-profit prisons are any better than the federal prisons. I can 
rattle off a list of some pretty shitty federal prisons that are run by the government. And they started the, the private programs because the federal prisons were so bad. So I don't know if this is just, and again, not the not a party guy. I'm generally fairly independent on these things, but is this just a democratic reaction to trying to go back now that you're hearing all this in the news, or is this, were they truly run poorly? I mean, I don't, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I just know that it's yet again another democratic, you know, president of Congress making a decision to, you know, take, take money out of the private sector and put it back in the public sector, and I disagree with that. Yeah. I mean, I, it's the same way with schools. I don't want to seem to do it with private, you know, private it's gotten hard for me to trust the DOJ anymore. I see the DOJ as a very, very polarized political branch when it's not supposed to be that anymore. And it just really is somewhat bothersome to me. So I don't know what to think about it. You know, I'm not that well versed in it, to be honest with you. I don't know how much I did end up in one. And uh, <laughs> be factual about that a couple times. Um, so, you know, uh, it's, it's just hard to say. I, I kind of like with Chris. I just, I, I, I don't see them as being a partial judgment anymore. I see them as being a polarized judgment. I agree with the providence of You would think intellectually it gives you a reason to keep people in there. And, yeah. You know, spend less money and all that kind of stuff. I don't know that that's true. I have no idea that it's not true. But I do know that there's probably good private prisons and bad ones. I think there's good federal prisons and bad ones. Yeah. Certainly and they're Superman not saying that they're going to certainly go away. I agree. It's going to be good and bad businesses. I completely agree. 100%. This is because they are a business. And I, I think that's my personal problem. That they're a business. Yeah, that they are a business. Not, uh, not some businesses are going to run well, some businesses are going to run bad. Yeah, yeah which, I think, which I think is, that's what you're seeing. Yeah, yeah, and, and because because there are going to be good and bad run businesses, some things I don't think should be for profit businesses. Some 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 of these prisons have been set up for profit by some people that are pretty Christian in their values, and they are in there trying to rehab, you know, some of their people and give them some faith base try to give them some, something to come out of. I read a book a long time ago about an individual that was here in Kansas City, he was messed up with that mafia here in town, and uh, was one serious bad dude. I mean, a really serious bad dude. And uh, found his faith and found his way out. Spent time, in, a lot of time in prison. But he has worked, built several of the for-profit prisons. The one up in St. Joe was uh, part of his, his, his likening to build. So. You know, there are people out there to try to build these things to have a positive impact on the inmates who are in there with hope of uh, being able to help them get out without yeah. just, like you said, being housed. So yeah. you, you have some of that too. So like I said, it's it, it's a mix of both. I'd love to see the pure economics on it, to, to, to be true. I mean, I would love to know the pure economics on it. Homework. Homework for young Massey. We're gonna bring this up on a on Well a, if you're on. here next week, maybe you'll have time. Yeah, but I said we're gonna we're gonna bring this back up at you, a, you would be good at in a later podcast. We're gonna ask uh, young Mr. Massey to uh, since he is the data analyst on the table to uh, look at the data and see uh, what it what it kind of just empirically says. Uh, 
you know, like I say, I know how I feel about it, but yeah, a lot of the actual data, I don't know. But I just the the idea of a corporation, you know, is to turn a profit and to make money for its shareholders. And so to so to that end, to me, there is no incentive to let anybody out of jail uh, because uh, the more bodies the more money. And so so I'm really, you know, in a weird place about about for-profit prisons. But like I said, we'll we'll re- we'll we will revisit this on on a right. on a uh, and, and my last favor uh, for the day, uh, I want to end on something much lighter cuz I thought that this was actually uh, pretty uh, funny and uh, and uh, kind of uplifting story in, in, in some odd ways. I want to talk about the 19-year-old mayor. He is the youngest mayor in Maryland history. He is the mayor of Indian Head, Maryland. Um, and, uh, of course, there is a naval base there. Um, and the rest of the city that doesn't have anything to do with, with the naval base, you know, has had some hard times. Um, and which kind of gets back to what we were saying earlier about, I think there's so many people who want to, uh, get rid of the old and, and start something new, come up with some new ideas, put some fresh blood in. Um, and the fact that this young man... Ran, yeah, felt felt the call and ran for mayor, and and that his town uh, of about of about four thousand or so um, felt like, hey, you know what? Get the kid a shot. <laughs> Let's get a kid a shot. And uh, I thought that was pretty cool. You know, it's yeah. it, his name is uh, Brandon uh, Paulin, if I'm not mistaken. I, I, I think that's I think that's pretty cool that they did that. Now, this be careful because remember I think I just read something in the paper about the former Lawrence mayor that was 32 years old and uh, he, he did some bad things I think right huh? I think he, in fact I think he might be going to jail. <laughs> yeah. Now I'm not saying that, that, that this is uh, definitely going to now, solve anything. I, I will say this: that mayor was a millennial. Yes. This 19-year-old really isn't a millennial anymore. No, he, no. This he is, came up through the recession, and he's seen some different things. Exactly. And he's seen the military get parred down, and his town is suffering because they don't have all the personnel to spend the money there. Exactly, exactly. So, you know, I yeah, wish so, him well. I hope yeah, he's I a quite young man. I am hopeful. And, 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 he can, and he can find ways to work with people. The only thing I say about 19... And it's, you know, we've all read articles. National Geographic had a brilliant article, oh, probably a year, year and a half ago, about brain development. And at 19, you're, you're still, your brain is still developing. It's very true. So, you know, how, how does this kid handle himself? You know, I, the only thing I can say about him, he shouldn't be tainted. I hope not. He's going to be a, he's going to be a fresh brain. I hope not. I, and, and that's what was encouraging to me. It's just what well, one what was really encouraging to me is that somebody that young wanted to get involved, oh. like truly get involved. That's pretty cool stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was. I agree with that. It was. 
well, with with that said, uh, I think we have come to the place where it is time to end our podcast, and I want to end this podcast in the way that I end all podcasts, and that is with the toast that started it all for me, and that is to good times with good people.